You're an AKA? Recently, yes. And you got your ski wee together? You know, I'm still working with my sores on that. <laughs> so you're not going to give us one time for the one time? I won't do it right now, but you know, when I'm with my sisters. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. Handle all of your business, value all of your business. Listen, Linda, welcome into Montgomery and Company. I was excited, y'all. I was excited to get to sit down and have a conversation with Allison Felix. Now, there's so many things that we could have talked about, and we talk about a little bit of everything, but I love talking to competitors. I love talking to people that figure a way out. At every turn, Allison Felix figured it out, whether it was going head-to-head with Nike, whether it was figuring it out as far as being a pro athlete, things that I didn't know about being a professional athlete when it comes to track and field at every single turn to then go on to become the most decorated track and field athlete we got a good conversation you guys let's go congratulations are in order allison because your alma mater usc named their field after you which is huge news and i saw you talked about as a little girl that you used to take walks on campus with your grandmother and your older brother who went on to graduate from USC as well. So how did you find out the news that you were going to have a whole field named after you? Yes, it was pretty great. I mean, it's something that I never would have dreamt of. I mean, I've been around that campus for the majority of my life. Like you said, my grandma, we lived not far from USC and grew up in that area. And so there's a rose garden that's right near you know, the school. And so we would cut through the university and she would take us there. There's all these like children's museums in that area. So I just grew up going kind of in and out of the campus. And so never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that, you know, eventually one day it would be named after me. I found out I was actually the commencement speaker at USC and the president called me and she told me, and I was like, I was just blown away. I like, I was like, are you sure? Like me, like, was <laughs> everyone like approved of this? And, um, but she really shared that she wanted, instead of like taking money from a donor, they wanted the students to learn about my story and to really place integrity and character as something to, you know, aspire to. And so to me, it just meant so much to me. And um, it's such a huge honor. I'm, I'm so, so humbled. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, because normally those things are for whoever donates the largest amount. You get buildings or fields named after you. Exactly. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, at your USC commencement speech, you mentioned that. And you said there are times you'll have to ask for change. And then there are times where you'll have to create it. Now, after going head to head with Nike, you found it Seish, a community driven lifestyle brand. And so I'm just curious because you talked about like, OK, your USC days and all things track and field. We know that you're a star, but then you got your little entrepreneur on and started to build a brand where you was breaking into the clothing and shoe industry. So like, what is that like? Again, something I never would have dreamt of, <laughs> um, but it just really came about organically. You know, I was in this like, you know, this really difficult battle with Nike over maternity protections. And I ended up parting ways with them over that. And at the time I was preparing for my fifth and final Olympic games, but I 
didn't have shoes to wear. <laughs> so I thought it was crazy. It was like, I'm a runner and I don't have a shoe sponsor. Like, <laughs> that's absurd. And so I was having this conversation with my brother where I was really just like venting about everything and was just like, I, I just can't believe that I'm here right now. And I'm just so tired of like begging companies to see my value and to see my worth. And I'm just, I don't want to do it anymore. And he was like, well, we should do it ourselves. Crazy. And I'm like, like create a company. So it was something that I had a lot of doubts about, wasn't confident. And then the more that I thought with it, that was where that idea came with. It's like, no, I'm asking for all these change from all these different places. Here, we can create change. We can be that representation. We can do things differently. But it was a lot of learning and, and a lot of understanding that a lot of lessons that I learned in sport were still valid and still relevant to what I was doing in business. I love that. And so you took on Nike, like, first of all, that's a wild thing to just say, like you took on Nike. That's like one of the biggest brand companies that you could possibly do. Basically, you want to end the maternal health crisis. And you said women lived in a culture of fear and silence. They hid their pregnancies to protect their careers. And that's a, a previous quote from you. And I don't know if you saw, but recently there was a WNBA player who expressed her feelings of discrimination by her former team for being pregnant. So I'm curious, like, in what in what ways are you changing that? And what words do you have for athletes that are facing that struggle? Because this is a thing that men's sports don't really have any type of understanding of to be able to, because we see all the time that, you know, NFL player's wife might be pregnant during the Super Bowl, or we've seen commentators run off of set because their wife, but it's different when you're actually having the baby. It's so hard. I mean, for me, I always felt like, okay, I have to do everything first before like I explore motherhood. And I hate that that is like the feeling. And I think there was a lot of, at least in track and field, there was a lot of struggle for women who became mothers while they were still competing. It was never like this celebrated thing at that time. It was always like, okay, how am I going to juggle this? Or in track and field, there was like this culture of silence where, you know, if you didn't have a contract, you would hide your pregnancy, you would secure a new contract. And so all of these really hard things. And when I went through it, I was just like, my eyes were open. It's like, it's this is wild that it's been this way for so long. And so now, you know, after the maternity protections and after, you know, companies changing their policies and stepping up, it was like, what ways can we better support women so that they don't have to choose between the profession and their passion that they love in motherhood? So whether it's things like what we fought for this past season was childcare at events and mm. just really breaking down those barriers um, to be able to stay in the support, um, creating grants to be able to help you know women travel and bring the support along that they need. Um, I was really inspired by the WNBA's agreement, you know, and all of the amazing, you know, things um, that are in place for for families. And so it's just the idea that this should be standard, you know, and, and finding new ways to support and just make things easier. It's interesting because in track and field, we talk about a lot of the struggles of women's sports in general. And in track and field, I don't even necessarily know if it's a woman's struggle or it's the difference of, you know, by the way, talking to your brother and you, we're people don't know, but we're family now at this point. <laughs> we're, but we're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Wes was talking about how it's so different when you go pro from track and field because the resources aren't there. And so I think that there's a relatability thing that can happen when it comes to women's sports and track and field. But can you just talk about how once in track and field, once you go pro, how you have to be your own 
everything or find your own everything. Can you elaborate on that for people that may not understand? It can be a struggle in track and field because for most athletes, you're coming from college and in college, everything is set up for you, right? Like, you know where you're going to, your meals are coming from, you know, your medical staff, your, your trainers, your coaches, everything. But as a professional track and field athlete, you become a professional and then you have to put together your team. And so you have to find a coach, you have to find a chiropractor, a massage therapist, you have to find a management team, like all of these things you have to put into place. And so I always tell, you know, people who are wanting to be a professional, it's, it's really about the circle that you have around you. You know, you have to be able to trust, you know, in them and to be able to create that team. And it's really hard because there's such a big disparity in pay from the top to, you know, middle tier of professional athletes and to be able to put that support system together. Because not only are you putting it together, like it's now your responsibility to pay all of these people as well. So it can be a, a big challenge. Yeah. That's wild. Obviously, you did a great job putting your team together because you earned the most Olympic medals of any track athlete in U.S. history like that. I want to say this again because that is wild, <laughs> Allison. You earned the most Olympic medals of any track athlete in U.S. history and also earned the title for the most decorated athlete at the World Championships. So we know that LeBron broke the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. But you broke a legend's record as well, Carl Lewis's. So since you've been through something similar, what emotions do you think LeBron James is going through right now? And did Carl Lewis reach out to you when you passed him? Like, tell me about that moment for you. For me, it was never something that I set out to do. So it was never like, okay, I want to win a gold medal. I want to become the most decorate. Like, I didn't even know it was a thing. I remember, I think when I was getting close, they were telling me like the stats and I was like, "Who? you guys keep those stats? Like, I didn't even know that that was like a thing. So it was kind of this amazing moment that was that I, I didn't have my eyes on. Um, and Carl did reach out. It was really, it was really special. What? And I think the biggest thing is like, we all want to see our sport at the highest light. You know, we want to see it continue to move forward. And I think that that's just a part of it. Each generation, you want to push them higher and we have but more But what did he say, Allison? We have to know <laughs> this is the great Carl Lewis. What did he say? He tweeted something. I have to go back and remember okay. what it was, but it was all love. It was all positive. You know, he's been just so incredible of a support system and just great. And just like, literally it's Carl Lewis. Like he paved <laughs> the way, you know? So it was like, even to be in the same breath, you know, as him, like, is incredible. So um, I don't remember exactly what it is. I'm going to have to go back and, and look at that tweet. But um, it was it was really special and obviously something that I hold dear to me. Love that. And so at 19, while you were in college competing against gold medalists like Veronica Campbell and winning, by the way, we previously had the director of Love and Basketball come on. And so you were an athlete at USC. Now, the movie Love and Basketball, did it hit a little different for you? Like, you already know where I'm going with this. Come on, did it hit different for y'all? Because y'all are USC. Yes. I mean, it's iconic. Like, it's one of my favorite movies. And me and my husband, we we're always talking about it. We're like, oh, we have to, maybe for Halloween this year, we're like, we have to go on campus and like recreate that. <laughs> and so, yeah. And even like seeing the movie, like they use the actual track there. I remember when they were like doing some conditioning and running around. So it was, it was so special. Anything that's shot in your hometown down too. Right. It's always really fun. But yeah, that it definitely hit different. <laughs> well, y'all have a phenom in Juju Watkins who's going yes. to USC next year. You've heard about her? Absolutely. She's pretty much probably going to be the real life version of Love and Basketball <laughs> on USC's campus. So that'll be something to, to look out for. 
you said a quote that I'm by nature a more reserved shy person. I don't usually want to rock the boat, but it was my brother, Wes, who's my brother now, who said, <laughs> you know, you can use your voice even if it shakes. Can you just talk about that? Because at that point, we've already talked about this together, but no one really sets out to be an activist. It's not like something you put on your accomplishments list, to-do list, but throughout all of your career now and what you've been fighting for, whether it comes from for maternity rights or other things, now you are an activist. And so can you just talk about like what that was to step outside of that follow? Because I'm we're the same. We know that like Usually we like to follow along and be, be pretty much good soldiers and do what you're supposed to do. But what was that moment like where you had to just break out of it? For me, I was it was so just outside. Like you're saying, it was outside of my nature. I was just always, OK, like, what is my job? A, B and C. Let me do that. Let me not ruffle any feathers. I just want to be the best partner that I can be, you know, in all the different ways. And so when I went through this, you know, very real life experience and realized that, you know, I felt like I needed to share it. I was terrified to do that. You know, I was terrified by so many different things and just scared. What would the response be? And who am I going to upset? And what does this mean for my future and my family's future? And so all of those things. And when I was going through that, you know, my brother was sharing with me that, you know, you can use your voice, even if it shakes, meaning you can go forward, you can do really scary things. And you don't have to be fully confident in yourself. And I think that that was really the game changing moment for me. It was like, okay, all right. I know this is hard. I know that I'm scared, but I know that I can still do it. And then once I did it, there was like this sense of freedom on the other side of it. It was like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, <laughs> all right. So then I can, you know, I can talk about other things. I, I just talked about my, the um, experience I went through giving birth to my daughter and now, you know, really being passionate, fighting against the maternal mortality crisis that's facing black women. And so it was just kind of like, I needed to kind of put myself out there and be vulnerable. And then what came from that was change and finding my voice really. Man, no, I feel you on that. And you brought up your daughter and a lot of the things that you started to fight for it was real life experience. You have a daughter now. You were going through maternity and had to figure out, okay, I don't have a shoe company. I need to figure it out. Now, there were a lot of people, and this is the thing I think about athletes that people don't recognize. They recognize it, but I always like to highlight it because you basically had everyone telling you that there's no way after a kid you're going to get back to the top level. Like, you know, it was almost assumed that once you have a child, all of that is over. Now we've seen the working mom and, and the struggles of that, whereas even if it's a mom that's not being an athlete mom, there's still the struggles to be a working mom. So what was your mindset? What was your, I, I would just say determination on that. Like, what was that even like getting back in shape after pregnancy too, because after having a baby, because I know that for me, I never even liked to get out of shape. Like I wanted to make sure that I stayed in the top shape because that getting back in shape feeling is the worst. It's the worst, so, the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> so what was that journey like just to get back to the Olympics? Man, it was super humbling. It was like, you know, I in my head, I'm a planner. Like I have everything laid out, you know, like most athletes do. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to have this baby. In four weeks, I'm going to be back training. Like it's going to be great. And then everything went south and, you know, I had emergency C-section. We were in the hospital for a long time and it was just nothing was going according to this plan. And so 
it was super just humbling. It was like things that once came really easy to me were now really challenging. And I started to doubt myself and started to like listen to the people around me, you know, hearing the the murmurs and just was like, well, maybe they're right, you know, but I think for me, when somebody tells me like that I can't do something, that's when it's like, oh, it's on. like, <laughs> that's all I need to hear. And it's like, I took that like personally that, you know, that people were saying I was too old, you know, being a mom, I wasn't going to be able to make it back. There's too much talent in the U.S. and there's no way I was going to be able to get back to make another team. And so it was just that motivation of saying like, no, I can do this. And then after going through all of the you know, splitting ways with Nike and creating Sage, it was like this added, you know, thing of really wanting to be that representation to anybody, especially to women, though. Like when someone tells us we can't do something, like not only can we do it, but we can do it in such a way that is graceful and people take notice and creates change. And so I think that was like the the drive was just crazy to get back there. So we've seen with athletes like Angel Reese, who's at LSU, and Shakari Richardson, who they have bold and beautiful personalities. And now there's been discussions online are, is that good for the sport? Do we want to see more personality in the sport? So I'm curious, Allison, what are your thoughts about athletes just basically being them full selves? I agree. I mean, I think everyone should be their authentic self. They should be unapologetic. And if that is the personality, if that's who you are, then be who you are. Embrace it. And I think that everybody else, I think it is good for the sport. I think we need different personalities and, you know, everyone, there are so many differences between us. And I think it's exciting for the game. It's exciting for the fans and it brings, you know, that energy. And so I don't think we should shy away from it. I think we should welcome it. And more than anything, I I just think we all should be our true selves. Do you feel like you were branded in your true self or were you in a, a, a mold that they wanted you to be almost? Did you feel like you got to be your authentic self as you were being branded by other companies signed to Nike or, or whoever it may be? I think it was really hard for me because I, I think for a long time, like I felt like I had to fit into this perfect box. You know, I, I shared, you know, being a people pleaser and wanting to like be the best representation and feeling like the only way I could do it was to do things perfectly. And so I think that was really challenging for me for a long, long time. And it wasn't until I got to the end of my career where I was like, no, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be unapologetic about that. Um, and I hope that other athletes like don't experience that because I think it's great to, you know, obviously to be a good role model and to do all those things. But I think at, at some point it can feel heavy. You know, it can feel like I can't have one mistake because everything is going to come crumbling. And I think for a lot of my career, I, I felt that pressure of, you know, living up to those expectations, which are really unrealistic. It's like, you know, I became a professional at 17 years old. Like, First of all, that's ridiculous, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a lot of growing pains throughout that. And so I just think like we have to realize like athletes are just like everyone else. We have the same issues as everyone else and give space to to grow. I mean, you bring up a good point. You have a podcast with your brother. Athletes have their own platforms at this point. We see athletes like talking to the media directly and then the world of name, image, and likeness. I'm just curious because you went to USC. You were a star athlete. What are your thoughts on NIL now and in the college space? Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy for the athletes now because obviously we all know like this is a long time coming, like should have been around forever. Um, 
And I think it's great. You know, I think obviously it's new. So we're still, you know, figuring everything out. It's a bit of the wild, wild west. But I'm so excited that athletes can now benefit from that because the schools are benefiting. The coaches are benefiting. It's only right that, you know, the athletes do the same. So I hope that it continues to grow. And I hope that the opportunities are really out there. Love that. Okay, so you're a mom. You're an AKA? Recently, yes. Come on with it. Okay. What was that? Don't be slip. You are shy. This is hilarious because I think people will be surprised to see how powerful you are and then you are shy. But talk about that. Like, I mean, my sister's an AKA, um, but I saw that you were with a, a powerful group of AKAs recently on Founders Day. Yes. I mean, it was such, it was the most fun. I mean, I have, I've always wanted to be in a sorority, like ever since I, I was younger. I was like, oh, I want to go to HBCU. I want to do this and that. And then obviously like with sports, you know, it yes. like consumes your life and you're like, Same. you can't do any of the things. Right. So it was like this thing that always, you know, I was like, oh, I wish that I could have done that. It's so to become an honorary member and like just really be embraced into the sisterhood was so incredible. And just learning more about the service, you know, that's really yeah. what just really spoke to me was like, okay, this is not just about, you know, ourselves. This is about the community. This is about helping other people. And so it was just so much fun. The ceremony was beautiful, amazing line sisters. Um, and yeah, it was just a Who's lot of Who's your line sisters? <laughs> the incredible Patty LaBelle. Thank you. Cause she just yes. gonna just drop like amazing line sisters. <laughs> Yes, um, Erica Campbell. We had a congresswoman. It was just really, oh, really real. special to be a part of that group and to be, you know, brought in together. And you got your ski wee together? You know, I'm still working, you know, with my <laughs> sores on that. <laughs> so you're not going to give us one time for the one I time? I won't do it right now, but you know, when I'm with my sisters. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. All right, so like I was saying, you're a mom, you're an AKA, an activist, which is a title that we talked about is given to you. You don't necessarily set out to do. You're an entrepreneur, the most decorated track and field athlete. What's next? Like what category, what part, what industry do you want to tackle now? Yeah, I mean, I'm just loving what I'm doing now. I mean, growing Sage is just really been fulfilling that kind of competitive edge for me. So I'm really excited with that. My brother and I are launching our venture fund, um, Crenshaw Ventures. And so I'm really excited about that. Just going through the process of raising capital for my company, just you know, we all know the statistics and how hard it is for women and even harder for women of color. And so wanting to create a space where we provide that funding and we hear and listen and support underserved founders. So I'm really excited about that as well. So and continuing to advocate for women, you know, pushing for childcare and sport, just trying to make things easier for mom athletes as well. Facts, facts. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. We're going to be looking at on all those things. Sage is out there. Where can they find Sage if they wanted to get some sneakers or if they wanted to follow, just follow around? It's a lifestyle brand. So how can they follow along on the journey? Absolutely. You can find us at Sage.com. It's just S-A-Y-S-H.com. And on Instagram, we're by Sage. Yeah. And you can find us in Foot Locker at Kith, Come um, on with it. with the Athleta, yes. Come on. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. The legend, the 11-time medalist. I just, like, I want to say this again. The most Olympic medals of any track athlete in the U.S. Allison Felix, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Man. 
All I can think about is determination. That's the only word I can think of when I think of Allison Felix. And by the way, if you want to hear more from her and her brother, they have a podcast called Mountaintop Conversations where they talk inspirational figures and their journeys to the mountaintop. I have an episode coming out with them and it was a whole vibe. We're pretty much family now. And y'all know I'll be calling everybody fam because I truly believe if we work together like a village, everyone gets elevated. So that's why we have RME family. That's why everything is family business. But even if you aren't family, you're still family. That's how I feel. And so we family now, Allison, okay? All right, you guys, check in with us next week. As y'all know, here at MoCo, it's a generational thing. Oh, hello.